Wisconsin's afternoon news is on the air. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Here's Greg Batsik. In for John here the rest of the week. Mike Spaulding in for Sandy Max today. Bob Brainerd in for Greg Matzik on sports. Debbie Lonsga's got a look at the roads. Adam Roberts producing the program here. It's 412. Beautiful day. Brewers unable to win the series against the Dodgers. Bob will have the details coming out at about 435. And today is also National Shrimp Day. Deep fry, stir fry. There's pineapple shrimp, lemon shrimp, coconut shrimp. Pepper shrimp, shrimp soup, shrimp stew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know the bit here from Forrest Gump. Uh, shrimp, the most consumed seafood in the world. Sometimes called jumbo shrimp or a prawn. If you're getting the big stuff here, jumbo oh, yeah. shrimp, of course, one of the best oxymorons in the food industry. Only rivaled nationally by Microsoft Works. And if you're talking about the 1990s, Brewers Traffic, where do you come down on shrimp? Love it. The more the merrier. Remember Shrimp Fest at Red Lobster? Oh, gosh. Where, where, where everything was shrimp. It was a different form of shrimp. I, I was doing that in college. I was going to Red Lobster and spending my hard-earned money. You were the one. Yes. Okay. Because it filled you up because it was gobs and gobs of shrimp. Yeah, my experience with Red Lobster is that the food is uh, more of a rental, if you know where I'm going. Spalding, are you a shrimp guy? I I I was until hearing that description yeah. of Red Lobster. Uh, yeah, actually, actually, conveniently enough, I have some uh, some frozen shrimp defrosting for uh, some tacos tonight for dinner. So Wait, I didn't even tacos? know it was National Shrimp Day. Oh yeah, okay. Is That's there a little, my preferred way. Little ceviche somewhere on there. Some uh, you got to dress it somehow. We got a little. Yeah, we got a little avocado. We got a little uh, pico de gallo on there. Blackened a little bit with the shrimp seasoning. Oh nice. yeah, it's, it's the whole deal. Nice. You guys are welcome. Come on over. Appreciate that. I'm big into shrimp scampi. I like shrimp cocktail. I like a good yeah. seafood gumbo. That's my favorite. If you're, if you're shrimp up, cocktail, uh, shrimp cocktail is just rock solid. Yeah, it, you got to get the big stuff though. Oh, yeah, the big stuff with the cocktail sauce, a little extra horseradish. Yeah, served in, in a martini cocktail. glass. Of course. Why not? Living large. Hope you're celebrating National Shrimp Day like the Spaldings are, and uh, he'll give his address out a little later in the program if you'd like to join him at his house. It's 414 on WTMJ. Disturbing story from Utah. ABC's Alex Stone joins us with the details coming up next. A disturbing and peculiar story out of Utah. Corey Richens' husband was found dead at the end of their, their bed last March in their Utah home. Richens had just closed on their house, and Corey brought her husband a celebratory cocktail about 9 p.m. She left to go sleep with their son, who was having some sort of night terror, according to Corey's story, and returned to the bedroom about 3 a.m. to find her husband lying on the floor cold to the touch, she told authorities. About a year after her husband died, Richens published a children's book titled Are You With Me? It's all about navigating grief after the loss of a loved one. People looked at it as a moving tribute, a way for her children to understand the loss of their father. Well, now investigators are alleging that Corey Richens killed her husband of nine years with a lethal dose of illicit fentanyl. Joining us on the line from Utah, ABC's Alex Stone. A very bizarre story here, Alex. What do we know now, and what happens next? Yeah, so, Greg, uh, they, they, the prosecutors uh, claim that, that she is a killer, and she is now charged with uh, murder. And as we go through the, the search warrant material here, of uh, they say that her whole story about bringing the Moscow mule to her husband, that is accurate, but they say that she had 
uh, poisoned that Moscow mule with five times the amount of fentanyl to kill somebody. And he had, a, he had a, uh incredible amount of fentanyl in his system. And then she went on this media tour to sell her book uh, over the, the last couple of months and went uh, around Salt Lake City talking about the book, about her amazing husband, how much the, the family loved him, how much she missed him saying this. My husband passed away unexpectedly last year. He was 39. It completely took us all by shock and she said the family could not believe he was gone writing the book to help other families as well try and understand you know not only how to grieve as a widow as a, as a wife but also you know with my kids how to help them how to help them understand what just happened but prosecutors say that uh, her husband had told a friend that his wife was trying to poison him he got violently ill at a valentine's day dinner last year and he thought, well, you know, that she was poisoning me. He said he had to use his son's EpiPen, used Benadryl, passed out for a few hours. Um, and prosecutors say she was shopping around, asking dealers for the most powerful stuff that, that she could get. Um, and the search warrant saying that she changed the life insurance policy before his death, making her the sole recipient of the payout. And when he was notified by the insurance company, he then took her off the policy altogether started looking for a, a divorce attorney. So there was a lot going on here, but uh, she is charged with murder. Her attorney not commenting. Family members are uh, filing guardianship papers uh, right now for the three kids. She was arrested this week. Uh, she's due in court in a couple of weeks. She's being held right now in the Summit County, Utah jail. And uh, no bail at this point. And they'll decide if she gets bail, if she's allowed to post it in a couple of weeks. Well, you know, Alex, one, the other part of this is the book that you mentioned. Of course, the first thing we did in the newsroom when we heard that this woman, this, this was happening and that she wrote a book, was try and find the book. You can't find it anywhere now. All these websites, including like Amazon and places like that, were so quick to, to remove this book off of any you know, shelves or, or websites or anything like that. Yeah, you're right. The, the book has disappeared. She was talking about doing a, a sequel to the books as well. That obviously won't go on, but uh, immediately once this case became known this week, uh, whether it be Amazon or any of the, the other websites or stores, poof, the, the the book went away at that point. Well, and then there's a big question here, too, Alex. What about the children, right? I mean, they, they've already lost their father. Their mother could be going to jail for the rest of her life. Yeah, they're with family right now, and uh, like I said, the, the family members are filing for a guardianship. Good chance that they're going to get it. They'll probably be with some of the family members, but at this point, that's uh, in limbo as well. And they had been with mom up until she was arrested on Monday. Uh, that you know they they were a family grieving, and she had written this book and was kind of the expert in the Salt Lake area about. Uh, mother who had lost uh, a wife who had lost a, a husband and uh, what to do and how to talk kids through it and whatnot. Uh, and then all of this breaking this week, and, and we find out it, it wasn't what it appeared. So what does the timeline look like then, Alex? What do we know? What are, what are the next steps? I, and Greg just mentioned asking about the kids, but what does what, what her court look like? I mean, are we going to see her back in the news again? Yeah, so in a couple of weeks, uh, she will have the the detainment hearing to decide, can she post bond, uh, what are the, the aspects of it. Being murder, high likelihood that they're going to say no bond or make it so high that, that it's hard to achieve. Uh, and then they'll begin the judicial process. She will enter a plea at some point. Her attorney's not saying what they will plead. Uh, likely a, a not guilty plea, but, but we don't know what they'll do. Um, and then it will begin going down the, the road of, 
if there's not a plea deal, a trial, and and decide, is she really guilty at this point? These are allegations, nothing more than allegations made by prosecutors and police. Um, but uh, but she's sitting in jail right now. Alex, we've talked to you a lot this week. I, can't they just give you the Westminster Dog Show? I, you've had some just <laughs> gut-wrenching, awful you know, stories Jerry here. Albinger, she's doing that one for us, and uh, they say, no, take this one. Oh, man. Well, I hope you get a fun story to talk about uh, at some point this week. We'll be sure to check in. ABC's Alex Stone. Thank you so much, Alex. You got it. Thanks, guys. Hey, a reminder, we are streaming the program here. Wisconsin's Afternoon News is not only a listen live option through WTMJ.com, there is now a watch live option through WTMJ.com, so you can... See what goes on here behind the curtains at our Avenue Studios. Bob Brenner's wearing a very green-ish neon shirt. You can see my feeble attempt at hair growth. I'm wearing a hat for a reason. Uh, and all the good stuff that Don't happens tell here. Tell yourself short, Greg. Well, <laughs> right. It's, it's been it's a, a great scene, head man. We're only about uh, 11 days in, roughly. Yeah, a little more than that, I suppose. It'll be two weeks tomorrow. So, uh, yes, uh, we are off and running with our streaming of the program. Uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Wisconsin's Afternoon News will be li- delivered to you. And then watch live uh, with some great segments of the show peppered around through Twitter. Adam takes control of that after each and every show. So you can sort of listen or watch on demand at your leisure here. All of the programs at WTMJ. Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ. Hey, time now for Travel Wisconsin on Wisconsin's Afternoon News, sponsored by TravelWisconsin.com. It's time to greet with the Travel Secretary, Ann Sayers, a special in-studio visit. It's so good to be here. It's wonderful. Do you like our studios? Do you like our digs here? Very comfortable. I have a great cup of coffee by my side. Yes. Ready to go. You can go get a taco or a burrito outside or some barbecue. Like, you've got all these food options here. It's a destination. It's a destination. It is. We'll have to do a whole thing on the uh, the food court here at the 3rd Street Market Hall. Uh, I remember as a kid growing up, as a field trip in high school, I think it was for a German class, we went out to House on the Rock which is this just marvelous, unique, sort of bizarre, creepy in all the right ways structure built by Frank Lloyd Wright. But in the state of Wisconsin, there's a whole Frank Lloyd Wright trail that allows you to explore all these incredible structures built by this marvelous designer. That's right. He has structures across the world, but some of his most iconic are right here in Wisconsin. And interestingly, he did not build the House on the Rock. It's inspired, inspired. by his designs. I think, yes, inspired. So where do we go? How do we begin this trek? Well, okay, so you called it. He is one of the most well-known architects in all of America. He's born right here in Wisconsin. And there's a reason why we still know his name 60 years since he passed. And you're going to find a lot of prime examples of what he called organic architecture. So that's a concept that means sort of this harmony between nature and the structures themselves. And you can explore that on the Frank Lloyd Wright Trail. It's a 200-mile route, goes through southern Wisconsin. It features nine Wright Design sites. And the trail includes everything from a corporate campus and a civic building to all of the gorgeous homes, including his own personal estate. So the Franklin Wright Trail makes for a perfect summer road trip. The sites along the route are independently owned and operated, though, so definitely check their websites for tour times and availabilities. So what's the route? Where would be a good place to start or end? I suppose it could depend where you live, but but how do you map this thing out? Yeah, you can kind of plot your own adventure, but one way to go is to kick your tour off at the SC Johnson campus. That's in Racine. This is the only Wright Design corporate campus that's still in use today. You can tour both the administration building and the research tower. So those make up two of the nine stops along the trail. 
And you got to see this. The administration building, you're just going to be wowed by what's called the Great Workroom. It's these artfully designed columns. They rise up through the grand space, and they kind of resemble like massive lily pads that support <laughs> the ceiling. It's beautiful. And then there's the S.C. Johnson Research Tower. That was reopened in 2013 after some extensive restoration. And this stunning tower is wrapped in Pyrex tube windows, if you can picture that. The 15 stories alternate between square floors and round mezzanine levels, and the innovative design makes the entire tower appear at ground level to just sort of hang in the air. I love that. Then it could swing over to Dane County and stuff near and and on the campus. Yes, there's two iconic buildings in Madison, in the Madison area. You want to tour the Monona Terrace Community and Convention Center. That's sort of a modern take on Wright's vision. He was inspired by... so he wanted to connect the state capitol to the shores of Lake Monona with a grand civic center. It opened in 1997, and the Monona Terrace brought Wright's vision to life just it was decades after his passing at that point. Once you've toured that, you have to go to the first Unitarian Meeting House to experience how Wright connected to nature and his own spirituality. He translated that into a sacred space for the church that he actually, he personally attended it. It is recognized as a national historic landmark and one of the architect's most important structures. And there you're going to find triangular shapes throughout the design that are meant to symbolize structural strength and aspiration. Very cool. I love the Monona Terrace. Such a gorgeous place. Such a great campus. And while you're at it, you might as well spin off to Spring Green, right? You're not too far away, so you can check out that house on the you rock and other things. Aren't. And it's a beautiful drive out there. It's perhaps the most iconic stop on the Frank, Frank Lloyd Wright Trail. It's the place where he lived, where he t- worked, and where he taught others, and that is Taliesin. And because of Frank Wright. Frank Lloyd Wright's contribution to 20th century American architecture, Taliesin, is actually now a UNESCO World Heritage Site. That is a big deal. You can start the experience at Frank Lloyd Wright's Visitor Center before exploring the extensive grounds and buildings of Taliesin. In the summer months, tours are offered seven days a week. You can choose between tours ranging between one and four hours. And preservation efforts reflect how it would have looked all the way back in the 1950s, which were the last years of Wright's lifetime. Yeah, marvelous history. It's beautiful. Isn't I it? love it there. I find something new and, and new inspiration every time I go. Well, and you're right. The drive is absolutely spectacular. If you want to map this out and learn a little bit more, just visit TravelWisconsin.com. It's so good to see you, Anne. Thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me. He is taking care of business for the MMAC. President Tim Sheehy joins us in studio for a weekly economy briefing. Hello, Tim. Great, good to be with you. We talk a lot about travel and the use of the Milwaukee County, uh, Milwaukee Airport. General Mitchell, great. Easy in, easy out. We'd like to see more flights. And that could be the result of Milwaukee County Executive David Crawley's announcement that all county businesses will route through Milwaukee to begin and end their travel if it is business travel if you're a county employee. What do you think the impact of this will be? I think it's a good move. It helps spread the story about the more we use the airport, the better flight service we get. Um, And so I think it's a really nice leading move by the county executive. Um, I'm hoping some companies follow it, but it's challenging to get people out of their frequent flyer mode um, if they're used to flying out of O'Hare. Well, it it is going to be a kind of thing you have to keep track of, right? I mean, it's... It, and I'm guilty of this. Sometimes I just look for, for cost, right? We're a family yep. of four traveling. Sometimes that dictates our decision. Yep. Um, our business is going to get behind this, knowing that they may end up having to spend a little bit more on that business travel. I, I think some will. The hardest thing is the actually, actually the business person traveling who's built up so many miles on a certain airline that they want to make sure they get that direct flight out of O'Hare. 
But again, I give the county executive great credit for doing it. It's a message that we need to keep repeating in the community that it may be short-term pain for long-term gain of having more flights in and out of Milwaukee. Yeah, we did the story in the news, but uh, final beams being put into place on the Wisconsin Center District expansion, this is exciting. Like It, it feels like we're starting to get there. And I know it's, it, it's going to be a while before everything is unveiled and open, but steps are being made in the right direction here. They are, and here's why bigger is better not just because we can have bigger conventions, but when you have a bigger convention center, you can actually have more conventions because you can have one moving in while one's going on. And the way we had it in the past, you kind of had a book in them, right? And so this is a way to actually get more conventions in the business not into Milwaukee, not just bigger conventions. Well, it's nice that you're, that way your birthday party won't run into the auto show, <laughs> right? right? You can that's separate exactly right. a little that's bit. Right. I know that's what you were thinking of here. Uh, you know, our producer Adam Roberts tends to bus to work commonly, and I, I don't use the Milwaukee City bus line, but I know it's expanding, and this bus rapid transit initiative or BRT is slated to start here in uh, in the near future. How does this impact other routes? What is BRT? How will it enhance the whole system in Milwaukee? Yeah, sure. sure. Bus, BRT is short for bus rapid transit. And what the county has done is invest in a line so you can more rapidly get between downtown and, let's say, the medical college and all the jobs that are kind of associated along that route. And what we have to be mindful of is, you know, as more people, for example, move and live downtown, fewer people have two cars. In some kind, some cases, people don't even have an auto. So making sure that there's a alternate route of transportation that's rapid and efficient is only going to help the livability of the community and only going to help people who don't want two cars. Is there a push, or do you think you can envision a time where electric buses will be roaming the streets of Milwaukee? Is that yeah. something that's being researched? Yeah, at all? absolutely, and that's almost an ideal to place to start the electrification of the vehicle industry because they're on uh, specific routes. Um, they're in between places where they can charge. Uh, they're not growing, you know, going cross country. So it's actually a really good way to kind of implement some of the charging stations that we've talked about um, and getting that technology in place and making sure it's workable. Yeah, one of the things we tend to celebrate in the city of Milwaukee is when a new hotel opens, right? I can think of when the Iron Horse opened or when the Kenton Journeyman opened, uh, when St. Kate's moved into the old intercontinental space. Obviously, in the Deer District, that's going to be a place where you can rent a room for the night uh, or for longer, perhaps. Is there risk of the hotel market becoming saturated, or do you believe the expansion of the Wisconsin Center, uh, this $456 million expansion, the idea of the national conventions, perhaps an all-star game in the NBA, you have to have the hotel demand to get that big stuff, but is there a risk of saturation with the hotel scene? You know, it's an interesting question. We just had a couple of our employees come back from a convention in uh, Washington, D.C. called Select USA, helping recruit um, international companies to the United States. And that event hasn't been held for two years. And I think she came back and said there were like a 1,000 people there. It's almost like there's a pent-up demand that people want to be back at conventions, back uh, meeting face-to-face. And that's certainly going to replace the demand that we lost during covid But I'll tell you, as much as I look at Milwaukee, one of the things that continues to baffle me are the number of new hotels that open. And I'm curious as to where that demand is coming from. But there seem to be more on the drawing boards. The ones that are opening seem to be doing okay. 
occupancy rates are coming back up. But I'll admit, I'm a little bit baffled as to how many hotels have come on the scene in Milwaukee and who's utilizing them. Right, and it has to be a big number, right? If, yeah. if the Bucks are going to go to the NBA and say, we need an all-star game here, their first question is, where's everybody going to stay? Right, and that was, right? True, that was true of the RNC. Yeah. You know, we had to prove we had 19,000 hotel rooms with a certain proximity. So that's great for the larger events, but when they're gone... Who's utilizing all those hotel rooms? Yeah, random Wednesday in February. Exactly. Like just to, you know, who's going to hang <laughs> exactly. out? Uh, no, I get that. That's it. But you have to have the big stuff to get the big stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting, uh, you know, Ned uh, three to, uh, needle to thread yes. is what I'm trying to say here. Uh, final thing for you: Mother's Day coming up on Sunday. I've done a lot of Mother's Days in Milwaukee with brunch and visits to the lake and coffee at Colectivo. If you're going to put together an ideal Mother's Day in downtown Milwaukee, assuming we're going to have a nice day, how are you piecing that together? Uh, ask your mother. Yeah. <laughs> ask your mother That's their preference point. or ask your wife their preference um, because where I might want to go is maybe where they don't want to go. So I don't really have a favorite spot. I just know the right questions to ask. Father's Day then? <laughs> it's only a month later. Fa- Father's Day, I can give you an answer for, and that's in the backyard by the fire pit with a beer. There you go. That sounds really, really good. Always on the pulse of everything happening in Milwaukee. MMAC President Tim Sheehy. Thank you, Tim. Good to be here.